Hello, and welcome to Ethical Seduction, your sex and relationship podcast. We explore topics and skills designed to help you get what you want, both in and out of the bedroom. I'm your host, Stephen. Joining me today are my wife, Kimberly. Hi. And Ava. Hello, hello. On today's shows, we're going to be covering something that I think is pretty fun and interesting. Kimberly is going to first start us out, and she's going to do a rundown of various kink identities, roles, and labels that people use to describe their personalities and what they're into. Uh, Being able to know yourself and to communicate it is really helpful so that you can kind of get what you want in a relationship or in the bedroom. So she's going to cover us on that kind of stuff. Afterwards, Ava's going to go smoothly into sex positions and tips that work with different body shapes. Uh, so she's got a lot of fun, sexy ideas to help you work with your own body and your partners. It's going to be all about body positivity, baby. Uh, as most of you know, uh, we volunteer at um, the Mark, which is our local kinky community center. It's in Nashville. And one of the things that new people will often wrestle with is kind of understanding some of the terminology that we may use in our group of friends and in our community. And so Kimberly has taught classes, uh, you know, a lot of times for newer people kind of getting into it and terminologies are one of the things that she goes over. And so we thought this would be a really good one to kind of cover so that if we do use terms in the future, people know what we're talking about, but also it really is like it's personalities and labels and roles. And so hopefully this gives listeners, you know, kind of ideas. If you hear something you haven't you know, heard of before, or maybe you associate with something or something just kind of catches your attention is interesting. I thought that may be, may be good. So, uh, Kimberly, you, you've, you've taught about this several times now. Yes. I teach on a rotating basis, this class at the mark called welcome to play ready, set play. Um, and I go over a vast variety of different types of play and how to negotiate and the, and that sort of thing and kind of the flow of the scene. So today I'll just be talking about one piece of the class, which Steve, you mentioned was kind of like the roles or personalities that um, terms, I guess you could say that people may get tripped up on um, when we're talking about kink stuff. And I just want to say that, I guess, you know, you don't have to totally identify with these terms. You can just pick and choose and be like, Oh, I kind of like like a little of this and a little of that. And that's totally cool too. Also, for some people, some of these may not be sexual roles. They may be sexual to some people. It just depends on the person. Okay, so diving right in, um, I think the first thing that um, is kind of the most basic terminology is top and bottom. So this is related to action, basically. So the top is the person who is kind of giving the action and the bottom is a person who is receiving the action. So this could be in the bedroom um, and, you know, just sexual play, or it could be in more of a kinky kind of um, scene. So I don't know if any of you want to talk about, or either of you want to talk about your experiences with topping or bottoming, or, you know, if you identify with these roles. Me, 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 pick me. <laughs> okay. <Ava. laughs> okay. Um, so, okay. So I identify as a bottom and I feel like that can mean so many different things, especially for newer folks in the community, really trying to kind of explore their own like kink identity and figure out like, what are they into? What am I into? What do I want to do? 
uh, bottom for me is a really versatile term because it's kind of almost a blanket statement of I might be into any of these other types of things that equate to a bottoming role where I am receiving some kind of experience from from the top, from the other person. Okay, cool. Steve, what about you? Uh, well, th- the first thing that, th- that came to my mind, okay, is is that uh, does this, do you think of this as more of like a power dynamic that you're, you're, like I was just thinking, like if you're doing a blow, if somebody's getting a blowjob or giving a blowjob, is that, would you, I don't know that I'd really consider that like topping and bottoming exa- exactly because that can be like, for example, the person giving the blowjob could totally be topping, you know, um, but at the same time you could flip it the, the other way and be like, well, no, like uh, you could, I don't know. I, I could see it kind well, of going. Okay. So too. just to get, get it rid of any power dynamic. No, not at all whatsoever. Um, okay. To get rid of any confusion, this is not at all related to power dynamics or dominant and submissive. Those are completely separate roles. But people really get those confused all the time. So, like <laughs> which I was like, what? <laughs> Sorry. Well, I'm kind of asking because, I mean, not everybody's going to know this stuff, you know? And so I, mean, I, I was sort of thinking, how does it relate to a blowjob? The reason I say that, okay, too, is because I'm sitting there thinking like, okay, if it's spanking, it's like, okay, the person who is spanking is the top. The person who's receiving the spanking is the bottom, right? Correct. Okay. So that's very easy to see. But then how, can you give us examples of translating that to maybe other things that are maybe more traditional, you know, sex? Well, related, I feel or, like or not? if you're talking about missionary position, then the person who's literally on the bottom to me is like more receiving of the action. And the person who is like literally on the top is more the person who's giving the action and that's how that would relate. Okay. I like that. That, Well, I think, and I like that because I think it feels like it's, that's, that's the gray area where it's like, yeah, it doesn't have to just be like a BDSM act or something like that. It can be more of like the, the blending of giving and receiving. Right. That's basically what we're talking about. Just has nothing to do with um, power, authority, power exchange, authority exchange, nothing with power dynamics. This is strictly related to actions. So um, in terms of how I identify, I would identify really kind of as both. And so you call that a switch. Um, What's kind of interesting about the switch role is it could be related to dominant and submissive, which I'll go over next. Um, But you you kind of like maybe to certain people I like to top and certain people I only bottom to. But other people mix it up and they might top and bottom, um, you know, the same person, top and bottom to the same person. Um, So that's basically your receiving the action and giving the action. Um, this can be in two separate scenes and this can also be in the same, same scene. So we kind of say, I guess, like you're turning the tables mid scene and like the bottom becomes the top and the top becomes the bottom. That's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, and I say that in a fun way because I've seen people do that and you're like, what in the world? Like, you know, all of a sudden everything flips and it's just, you know, it's different, but yes. It's fun to watch. Yeah, That's a really cool kind of dynamic, I think. Um, Ava, anything on switching that you want to talk about? Yeah, it feels like a total mind fuck for me. I can't do it. Because you're just totally a bottom. Um, Yeah, I mean, so I can... I can service top. I don't know if you're going to talk about that anymore later. Like I can definitely service top. And sometimes I really enjoy that. But for me, if I'm in the middle of a scene, I have a really specific headspace that I'm in if I'm bottoming. And it's really difficult for me 
to change out of that. Like, I just, I don't have that versatility mentally to be able to go from the person receiving to the person that is giving. Like it's, that's challenging for me. And that's true for a lot of people. It's like a certain kind of mindset, I guess, if you will, um, that you're in. And so you, a lot of people are like, I mean, one day I can be toppy and the next day I can be bottomy, but not it all in the same night. That's like, doesn't work with kind of your mindset. Yeah, it's too much. It's too right. much. <laughs> so you mentioned, oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Ava, can you better define service topping for people? Absolutely. So when I think of service topping, I think of someone that is interested in topping another person based on what the bottom, what the other person wants to experience. So I may not get any pleasure in topping per se, but if someone really, really, really likes to be spanked and is really into me and they're like, hey, Ava, I would really love it if you would spank me, it would give me like satisfaction or it would give me joy to to bring them that kind of pleasurable experience. So I like responding to that by saying, yes, I will provide you with the service because giving you satisfaction also gives me satisfaction. Not necessarily because spanking you is satisfying to me, but because I know that you like it. Or if I said, Ava, would you please give me a massage? Sure. Absolutely. That's sort of that's sort of service topping. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, it could be, or, you know, for, it depends on, um, what kind of massage you're talking about, whether we're getting I'm talking into about the dirty kind, <laughs> no, whether we're getting into like a sensual kind of massage or like a sadistic kind of massage, but it could still be service topping, but it doesn't necessarily have to be just, that's what I like about the, um, the kink stuff is that it really is anything that you make it. I mean, you can mix up stuff, mix and match, so to speak. You can do anything because you're making it up. Literally, it can be anything you want. So to me, like everything we're talking about here, like, yes, people will generally define top and bottom in this way. But at the same time, these things are so personal to every person that, you know, they a lot of people will be like, well, you, you know, you can't be this and this. Well, why not? You can be whatever you want. These are roles mm -hmm. that we identify with. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It does. And it reminds me, Brandy made a comment like a week or two ago. I think she was like, there was a, some period of her time and she was like, she didn't know what she was. And, and I thought that was a, that's a good comment, you know, because I think it is sort of like you can get in there and it's like, we have all these labels and sometimes you're like, you don't even know exactly about yourself to, you know, quite you get to a certain point and you realize like oh i'm not just this i'm not just that and then you're like what what exactly am i and i think often is like you're a mix you could be or yeah. you could be strictly bottom or you could say um you start out bottoming and then you transition over to a top i've seen that a lot um doesn't happen as much the other way around from what i've observed um but I think as we kind of change and grow in our whole sexual experience or our identities, um, we we can become something else entirely, the total opposite of, you know, what we were. And like, for for example, I started as a bottom and I never thought about topping. I thought, yeah, it's too much work. <laughs> I, that's, <laughs> you have to, literally, I was like, you have to be so skilled and like really know how to do things. I like, can really practice all these 
ways of doing things and tools and stuff, um, which you you don't really have to have tools, but it is more fun to me to have tools um, or paddles, stuff like that. That's what I mean when I'm talking about like tools, um, for example. But I was like, oh, that's too much work. And I don't really feel like I'm that toppy of a person. Like that's not my personality. My personality isn't necessarily um, like I'm always wanting to receive everything either. But um then <laughs> my friends kept saying no you're you could top you could top look at you and I finally was like fine I'll just try it so Steve and I topped together um you know and he kind of taught me Ava. the ropes so to speak and we it was topped Ava. Ava. we topped Ava yes I think that was your first time Kimberly uh, it was my first time actually yeah oh wow I forgot that <laughs> It's <laughs> so crazy. <laughs> it is funny when it's like that's the first time, and, and you all both forgot it. Like <laughs> well, you remember I mean, the time, but you, but yeah, yeah, no, because I remember that Ava was like, "Well, you could, you guys could top me." So I don't want to um, get too caught up on one or three roles, but I want to kind of move over to the dominant and submissive role roles or personalities. Really, is what you could think of this as. Um, so the dominant and submissive roles are based in authority exchange or power dynamics. And the dominant person is the person who is like leading the relationship. And the submissive person is the person who's kind of following in the relationship or the scene. However, you're, you know, whatever you're talking about, if you're talking about this as a lifestyle and a, a relationship type of dynamic, or if you're like, hey, we're just going to have some fun play in a scene and do some dominant and submissive stuff. Um, so that is related to top and bottom, but it's not the same as top and bottom. So when I think about top and bottom, I, I really think about the different ways that you can be dominant or be submissive in either of those roles. Um, because like you said, Kimberly, I feel like people a lot of the times associate bottoming with subbing and topping with doming. And that's just, it's not always the case. And the world is a lot more versatile and gray than that. It's just not that, that black and white. Um, can we maybe talk about a few scenarios of what it may look like for a top to be submissive or vice versa? Sure. Can I talk a little bit about um, the traditional, like dominant, kind of what that looks like in submissive first, yeah. and then we kind of go into that. Oh, yeah, totally. um, so the dominant person, you know, let's say in the bedroom only, for example, is maybe the person who is doing the hair pull pulling or the spanking. And then, um, but you could consider that to be just topping. It's really, um, I think, kind of about a mindset. Like, do I feel do I feel submissive in this scene that we're doing? Um, so the submissive person is a person who is following along. I don't know. I'm not good at this because I'm not submissive. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in no way submissive. And I feel like just not like I have any experience with authority exchange. So I'm really not the best person to describe it, but Steve, you identify as a dominant. So, well, well, I'll tell you what I think of it. Okay. It's like, if we're going to have a scene, you know, it's like, uh, you know, we, you know, Kimberly, like when you and I first met, like, okay, we weren't dating or anything like that. It was like, we we're just going to play. So like I was topping, you were bottoming, but then to me, dominance and submission, I think really gets into a relationship. 
because the submission part is is based on trust. So you're not going to just get it like in one night, you know, not to a really deep level. You can do it to a certain extent and you're going to kind of do it. But I really think like to really get like really, I'm going to say like real in my mind submission, it's like that takes a little bit of time. And therefore there it's based around, I think, relationships of like, you've got to build and earn that trust. And so the dominance too has to be like earned over time. So in my head, I kind of define them that way. Like you can top and bottom for a scene or something like that, but the dominance and submission is more of like a relationship type thing. Somebody's probably going to come in and be like, that's not really right. You know, there's probably more accuracy to it. Yeah. People do say, well, I'm doing a submissive scene with someone and it's just a scene which Maybe that looks like the dominant person is like instructing you on what to do. You're going to yeah. stand here, face the wall, put your hands on the wall, and you're not going to move. That right. And I'm going to submit for the next hour and just one scene. But then after that, it's like we're equals again. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. What if uh, you're going to talk about things like um, primal and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I was going to get into the different kind of, and those are more to me like identities or um yeah i would say identities i just i I wanted to talk first about the sadistic and uh masochistic sides although i think i skipped over what what were you talking about ava that i said oh we'll get back to that and now just the ways that like topping can be submissive or vice versa okay i Um, thought we tried to dodge that question Well, again, I'm not really submissive or dominant at all. So I would throw that back to you, Ava. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Okay, great. Um, So, okay. So, so example. So I identify as both a bottom and a submissive, generally speaking. So for me as a submissive, um, I think the example was brought forth earlier about like giving, say, a blowjob, right? So for me as a submissive, if my, if my dom or my dominant partner wants me to give them a blowjob, I'll say yes, sir. Um, and, um, and I could, and I could give them a blowjob, but say, say if I were in a different example, a, um, gosh, how do I want to think about that? Say if I was the dominant and my partner was the submissive and my, my submissive partner wanted a blowjob or wanted to give me a blowjob. There are like different ways in that dynamic where, where the dominant person could be the one giving the blowjob and not the submissive person or vice versa. Okay. I see what you're saying. Like a dominant person can do a more traditionally submissive act without necessarily making them identify as submissive. Absolutely. So are you saying this? Like, Hey, if the person giving the blowjob can be totally controlling the person receiving it. Yes. Yeah. I know. I, I can totally get that. I think that gets into your, like the way you view sexuality in general, Steve, but I think that's like a whole nother show. (laughs) One other other example that I can throw out there is like, if you are um, having sex with your partner and say, say, okay, so say in my scenario, again, I identify as um, a submissive, but if I am on top, like if I'm like riding cowgirl, am I technically the top in that scenario? I could be. Right. Like, I mean, Mm -hmm. or maybe, you know, maybe my partner is dominant, but if I'm on top of them and I'm writing them and I'm calling the shots, then I get to be topping them, even though I'm, you know, even though I personally identify as a submissive. Yeah. But 
to me, this is kind of getting back to like dominant and submissive is like a mindset. Like, yes, it can be relationship, identity or what have you, or a dynamic within a relationship or identity. But when you're getting down to the actual acts, it's like, how are you feeling in that moment as you do the act kind of is what makes it dominant or submissive. Absolutely. So just moving on um, to sadists and masochists. Um, the sadist is the person who likes to give pain and the masochist is the person who likes to receive pain. So again, this can be related to top and bottom, but isn't the same thing. Um, so for example, um, as a masochist, I enjoy being spanked really hard as a sadist. I enjoy, um, spanking somebody really hard. Anybody have any other experiences they want to throw in about sadists or masochists i'll say real fast like uh i have been uh accused of being a sadist a couple <laughs> times okay but i've never really identified at, with that very well um and i think part of that was like eventually i had to be like why just get over it okay because um you know i didn't think of like oh well, i like doing this because like the pain that i'm causing like really excites me in the in the way that I think of like a quote sadist you know, is kind of like getting off and really enjoying it. However, I like to uh, I'm just gonna say like be really engaging and stimulating in the the scene and like what we do. And so people all the time are like, oh yeah, like you've got this mean streak in you, you know, you've got this kind of sadist attitude or whatever like that. So eventually, I had to sort of just be like, well, it's okay. It's like. I don't necessarily have to think that exact way, but that is like the way people would often perceive me. And so eventually I was just like, okay, fine. Like, you know, that's, it's, it's the label and, and the label works with, you know, for a lot of people, even if I don't quite totally identify with it that way, I still get it as a label. But is it kind of a mean streak, as you said, if the person receiving the pain really enjoys that pain to me, it's. Not no, because all. I would not be able to like, I, you know, I hate torture scenes in movies. Like they bug the <laughs> hell out of me, you know, but it's like, if you're doing it in a scene and it's playing, you've got the consent and all that, then yes, then it becomes fun, you know, because you are sort of engaging in this thing, you know, with the person and, uh, you guys are going places together, you know, so that's the consent makes a whole big difference, you know, with, with, with the right. way the whole thing kind of feels. So, um, Yeah. I want to throw out the the concept. I heard this when I was at the Sex Down South conference like a year or two ago, actually. They had a keynote speaker, uh, Midori, Planet Midori was there. Mm -hmm. And she gave this really, really awesome speech about like different like kink personalities and their definitions. And she talked about um, what it means to be a, a masochist and that it's not necessarily that you enjoy pain. It's that you enjoy uh, intense sensations. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't necessarily translate to pain. It oftentimes does because that's a really intense sensation or experience to go through. So for me, like there are certain ways in which I might identify as a masochist, but at the end of the day, I don't just straight up like pain. I'm not just going around hurting myself all the time, right? But it's when I'm enjoying a pleasurable experience and it's coupled with a really, really intense sensation, like a really hard spanking or really intense like nipple play or something like that, that will enhance my pleasurable experience it will increase it it'll heighten it whereas if you were to just do those things alone all by itself i might not necessarily have the same reaction it just right. very much depends on the the scenario and the energy 
Right. right. I, I really like that kind of description. I haven't really heard it described exactly that way. I have heard people say, like, I don't really like pain. I like where pain takes me. Yeah, there you go. I like that. Yeah, the headspace part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's why a lot of people play, to be honest. You know, it's not everybody. You know, not everybody. But it seems like there's a good amount of people that I know from talking, just, you know, asking around. It's like that's that's a big motivator. Yeah, so... Um, moving along to the identities, you have, I guess, role play is thrown into um, this kind of section. Um, so you have just a million type of roles when you're talking about role play. You can role play anything. Um, teacher, student, doctor, patient. I've seen um, interrogation play. So you have an interrogator and a person being interrogated, which is a really interesting type of scene. Um, and that can really... Uh, role play can really be anything. Does anyone want to talk further about role play? This is not exactly related, but can you, I know there's like we talked earlier about like primals and there's some other identities. Do you want to kind of just mention them? Yeah. Yeah, Like, because to me, like it's not necessarily role play, but it kind of just gets into like, there's all different types of identities. And so figuring out what you like is, Right, exactly. So I, that's why I was talking about role play as separate from primal or littles or et cetera, because I feel like most people who identify in that way with those type of personalities would not um, say it's role play. So for example, primal um, is you, primal is you can identify with an animal, or you can identify with just the primal instincts of your humanity. So it's really about these base instincts. I like it because I like kind of like the energy behind it. Um, You know, I mean, if you've ever seen primal play, it's very interesting to watch and it just gives forth such energy. And then um, you have littles, which are people who identify with the younger side of life or um, they kind of like childlike things. They feel like their personality is childlike. Um, And then you have furries, not to be confused with primals, who are, um, I don't know a ton about furries except what I feel like most people know, but they're dressing up as an animal um, and engaging in sexual acts. Um, you have service roles. Um, we talked a little bit that already. I don't know anything, anything you guys want to throw in here, um, that I'm missing or talk about anything I've already mentioned. To me, a lot of it is like just to be playful and to think of like, what is fun and interesting to you and how can you roll that into yourself? You know, so you don't have to go all the way into it, but you can take bits and pieces from this this uh personality or this role and this role and you combine them all together and that is you you know and that is your 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 unique style and that that's going to make you stand out from from other people you know because that is this kind of unique style and is what makes you kind of special and kind of adding on to echoing what kimberly mentioned earlier this hour about um you know in the world of kink it's kind of a blank canvas you get to make of it what you want of it right so like in line with what you were you were saying, Stephen, about like pull, like what makes sense from you from each of these 
labels or identify our identities. I'm like, and and that's you. Like that mm-hmm. that is the the full Steven package or the full Kimberly package, right? And so that might not fit into any one single box or label. You can pull from all of them. The 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 greatest thing I think about this world and this community that we all partake of is success isn't defined for us. There isn't a right way to go down uh, a kink journey. Um, and there's no one single picture that defines success for all of us. You get to decide that and you get to define what that looks like and feels like for you. And you mm-hmm. get to pull from all of these different like corners of, of the world and corners of kink and figure out like, this is, this is what success looks like for me and my kink journey and go from there. Yeah. yeah. Well said. I think we could probably end on, on that with wrapping that up with the kink yeah. identity personalities. Yeah. Well, thank you both. Kim, really, thanks for presenting all that. And yeah, Ava, you always do a great summary of things. I feel like whatever, <laughs> talk, whatever we're talking about, you always have the summary at the end that kind of gets it, which is great. <laughs> all right, um, Ava, so you were going to talk about, this is something we've been discussing for last the last couple of weeks, is that we want to get into talking about different body shapes. And I'm going to say sometimes it's like uh, attitudes or maybe even prejudices that we on purpose or accidentally have in us? How do we deal with that? But then also like, you know, what are the good things that we can do in the bedroom? So you want to take it away? Yeah, I will take it so far away, Stephen. <laughs> Let's do this. Um, the first thing that I wanted to actually kind of preface this conversation with is like, why, why are we talking about this? And so um, I guess my thought is like giving giving and receiving sexual pleasure can be such an enjoyable experience. And there's this big wide world of variety out there that you can explore when it comes to ways that one gives or receives sexual pleasure. And it's not, not every activity is a one size fits all, right? Not every sexual activity will necessarily be pleasurable for you or your partner or partners. Some activities can be modified to maximize you or your partner's pleasure experience. And that's that's what I want to take the time to like explore today, um, because I think a lot of us, like you have mentioned, Stephen, have either prejudices or biases about like what we can and cannot do, what we should and should not do, uh, what will or will not be pleasurable for us based on who we are, how we identify or what kind of bodies we live in. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, like I for anyone that doesn't know me in real life listening, I'm a big person. Like literally I weigh, I weigh 250 pounds. I usually wear like a size 18 pant. Like I've always been a plus size human being since I was a kid and growing up through, throughout my teenage years, exploring like my sexuality and figuring out what I like and what I don't like. I received a lot of indirect messaging through the media or through my peers about how big people aren't as attractive or aren't as good in bed or aren't sexy and that there are certain things big people can't do in the bedroom that thin people can. Um, I've been told that like big people should only be sexual with other big people. Um, I've been told that like to make myself physically more desirable in bed, I need to make myself physically smaller, things like that. My hope is that if you're hearing this and if you've ever been told any of these things directly or indirectly, that you know it's total bullshit. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know that, please allow me to inform you that it is, in fact, total bullshit. Um, I'm going to share with you ways that certain sexually pleasurable activities can be enhanced that you may have found either challenging or tricky or just plain intimidating in the past. Things that you may have avoided if anyone has ever made you feel like, oh, people like me just don't do that. Um, And these tips apply if you're a bigger person like me or for folks that have learned similar toxic messages in the past, whether it's 
because they're big or because they're small or because they experience chronic pain or have some kind of disability or disorder or something else. Um, and one other thing before I really like dive in, I'm not a professional. I am not licensed or certified in any way when it comes to the art of lovemaking or fuckery in general. Um, so the only other thing that I want to kind of like preface. You just is have that, a passion for it. <laughs> I do. I do have a very strong passion for it. Um, but like if for any reason, like your medical professional, like your doctor doesn't advise you to be sexually active or says, hey, don't have sex right now. Um, please, please don't do it. I don't advise it either. If that's what they say, I agree with them. Um, there are lots of ways that sex can be modified for all body types and all walks of life. Um, but if for any reason you've been medically advised not to do any of those things that we're about to talk about, then please don't. That's all. Okay. I'll move into like the actual, like the actual, um, what is it? The meat of the conversation. Um, and actually the first thing that I wanted to do is kind of going back to what I was just talking about. I wanted to ask both of you, Kimberly, Stephen, have you guys ever experienced anything like what I just described? Like, has anyone ever led you to believe, oh, I don't do this particular sexual thing because it's not for people like me, either for for you or for partners that you've had? Um, I kind of identify with that in the sense of um, when I came out, how I identified. Um, so not directly, but it relates, I guess you'd say. Um I came out as bisexual and so all the gay friends were like, no, you're a lesbian. And all the straight friends were like, mm -mm, you're not bisexual, you're straight. So there was, so it was just like, why is everybody telling me who I am and what I should be doing in the bedroom, basically? Yeah, whose business is that? Not theirs. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Stephen? Well, I think the... What comes to my mind, okay, is more of a, I'm going to say like the cultural thing. Okay. So I think back to like, uh, in high school and stuff like that. Right. And it's like, you're, you know, you're just dating is new and all that kind of stuff is new. And so you don't, I think that's when maybe sometimes when you're the most susceptible to the society things of what they sort of say. And so there was, um, the, the concept of like, hey, who you date or whatever like that, you know, is going to suddenly reflect on like your social standing in the high school, that kind of thing. Okay. So that's where I think you can end up having certain prejudices against, um, I, I don't know. I just remember thinking about myself because it, it was like, I didn't date a lot, you know, but there was this other thing in the back of my mind. And it's like, well, if I date somebody like who I choose to date is going to be a reflection of me. And you just kind of realize that there's going to be this, like, you know, what, what kind of a person is Steven? Well, it's going to depend on like who he, who's dating, whatever. So then all the damn prejudices can kind of come into play on that. So it's like, you don't necessarily want them to, but it's like, unfortunately they, I feel like they're just there. So I, that's one of those things in the back of your mind. And then hopefully it's like when you notice that you, you realize like, okay, that's not necessarily fair or that is a prejudice or it's not true. And then you can kind of just push it away, you know, and, and, and kind of get past it. Um, I, I have not had that I'm aware of partners that, um, you know, I'm going to say are maybe heavy or something like that. And therefore they are like, oh, I can't go do this 
this act or this kind of thing. Okay. If you have somebody with like a health con- concern or whatever, usually we've talked about that up front. you know, like, Oh, it's my, you know, I have to watch my shoulders or something like that. So especially if we're doing a scene, that's one of those things. It's like, you're supposed to talk about all that kind of stuff beforehand. But, um, but it's one of those things that I don't know, Ava, that it really has come to my mind a whole lot. But I also think it's one of those things, like if I'm with a partner, they may not voice it to me. They may not come up and say like, Hey, you know what I'm really nervous about? They, it's like, they're not going to say that instead they're just going to like, let's get in the bed, let's go do our stuff. And it doesn't come up. So that's what really, to me, sticks out. Absolutely. Yeah. And I I can identify with that. Like I certainly have memories of being with a a partner or a playmate in my life and thinking, you know, oh, we need to turn the lights off because I don't want them to see my big belly. Right. It's there. It's not really something that you can hide. Like they're there because they like you regardless. Right. So um, a lot of times I think that people that identify in that way, maybe won't say anything, or maybe we'll try to, um, sweep it under the rug or not address it or pray that it doesn't come up, things like that. I think that's totally normal. I have that some, and you know, and it's like, I'm not, I don't have a horrible body. I don't have the best body in the world. And so I think sometimes we can be really hard on ourselves. You know, like I'm probably harder on myself than Kimberly is on me. You know, like that's probably the reality of it. So I think, Yeah. We just have to, yeah. we have to be kinder to ourselves and leave, leave the lights on. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, if you're really into having sex in the dark, I will not knock that. I myself really don't want to be laying back on the bed, getting fucked with a light shining in my eyes. Right. So for that reason, I'll turn it off. Right. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So let's see here. Mostly the reason why I wanted to bring that up was just to like reiterate and say like most of the activities and positions um, that we're going to talk about are for anybody. And I'm sure there's a wide, wide variety of other positions and activities that are out there that we won't have time to talk about tonight uh, that are absolutely for you. Like whatever society has told you you can't do just because of a label you have doesn't necessarily mean you cannot, should not, or are mm-hmm. unable to enjoy that big, wide world of sexual pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So let's, let's jump in and talk about like some positions. What are your guys's favorite sexual activities in the bedroom? Oh, oh, specifically, specifically involving penetration. I want to specifically like talk about penetrative okay. sexual activities this okay. evening. So please be specific. <laughs> Where's Don't Brandy when we need her? <laughs> it's funny. Like, I mean, well, it's funny. Me tell it's, you. <laughs> yeah. There's only like Kimberly and I to ask this question to. So, well, you know, we will often, um, I mean, we'll both take turns of like, who's going to be on the top? Who's going to be the bottom? Now, this is funny. I, it Often it is like, well, who's got more energy? And the person <laughs> with the least amount of energy is oh. on the bottom. And the person with the more, most amount of energy is on the top. Yeah, so we'll, we'll do that kind of stuff. And then, uh, I mean, we do, you know, flip around and doggy style and all the other, you know, things like that. But um, I, I don't know, but we... I don't know. Help me out, Kimberly. Sometimes I I feel like we don't have as much variety as we probably should. Well, honestly, I don't. Is it terrible? Is it terrible to be like, I don't find a lot of variety like pleasurable? Because I feel like you can like look in the Karma Sutra, look in the sex books and find all these like complicated positions. But when it comes down to the end of the day, like, they're not necessarily all that comfortable to be having sex in. And if I'm not comfortable when I'm having sex and I'm not like 
enjoying it as much. So I like to stick to stuff that's more comfortable. I mean, is that terrible? Well, that I, I was that's what I was just actually kind of getting at that I was stumbling on. Okay. It's like I was gonna say, oh, because I said, oh, well, maybe we don't do very many different variety of positions, right? And then I started thinking, like, well, maybe you don't have to do a, a big variety. Maybe you just find the the three or four that you really like, and that's enough you know, vocabulary, sexual vocabulary to do some awesome stuff with. But we obviously um, spice up the bedroom in other ways. So <laughs> positions aren't necessarily what we use for spicing. Yeah, you can, you can choke somebody in any position. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I love that. <laughs> um, it's interesting that you bring that up. And I, I mean, I'm not a sadist or anything. I'm just saying. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, this this conversation brings me back to some of our first uh, our first episodes where we talked about like uh, like vulnerability and and being yourself and like knowing what you enjoy and what you don't enjoy and what you're looking for and really understanding your own identity really really well because I will say like in the 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 initial years of my, my sex life, like I did experiment with a lot of different types of like positions and styles and all the things. And some of it took a lot more work than others. Like for example, group sex takes so much energy and it's this novelty experience that like so many people are really, really interested in doing, but oh my God, it takes so much (laughs) energy that I'm just like, nah, I'm good. Like, I just want my person, like, let's get it done. Let's get it done. Because like, I can't be up until dawn trying to service multiple people. Like it's too much. It's too much. So knowing what you're into and what you're not into and how much energy you want to put into your sex life, like that's really important too. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. That's all I wanted to say about that. Let's talk about like specific positions. I've got a couple of positions in mind that I wanted to kind of talk about like tips and trips, tips and tricks. Like if this is something that you find challenging, here's something that you can try. Um, but I'd love to like spend a little bit of time talking about each of these and like, how do you guys feel about these positions? Like, are there certain challenges that you've had or that you anticipate having with these positions? Um, and so with that said, the first one that I want to talk about is actually masturbation. Masturbation uh, <laughs> doesn't always have to involve penetration, um, but it can. Um, do you guys use toys at all for masturbating? Is that a thing? Am I allowed to ask you that question? Yeah. <laughs> you allow, you're allowed to the ask. Answer is yes. The answer is yes. <laughs> well, actually, let me say it this way. Kimberly does. I do not. Oh yeah, I don't like I don't, and I don't know why, but I've just I'm I don't know. It's so easy. I don't feel like I need to. I guess. I mean, <laughs> I don't feel like it's not easy to masturbate and get off, but I just feel like it it adds something to it and can be more intense with a toy. Totally. Okay. What kind of toys do you like to use? Um, I really like either a rabbit or the magic wand. Those are my like go-to. Oh yeah, I should define that. So uh, the Hitachi is what I'm talking about, which is basically a back massager that so many people started using as a sex toy that it's now like basically a sex toy to the (laughs) point I think they don't make it anymore because they didn't want to be. No, I've got this down. I got this down. Hitachi didn't like, I, I did research on this. Hitachi. Okay. So then the newer ones are called magic wand and that's the new brand and that's what you have to buy. Right. And, but the, they are wireless is what they're pushing right now. They're the wireless ones are not as powerful as the corded one. So if you want, if you really are going to buy one, I would say, get the one that has the cord. Um, Hitachi was the original people that made it, but once they found out how people were using it, they didn't want that associated with that. So they sold that device over to the new company, Magic Wand, who now owns it. 
buy the one that has that is cheaper because it's actually has the cord that's the better one mm-hmm. so it's so. basically like if you can think <laughs> of a gigantic like almost like a ball that vibrates like a microphone <laughs> it's a gigantic microphone yeah. that you put on your on your cunt put it on your cunt. <laughs> yeah on your naughty bits yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, naughty vis. Okay, thank you. So that's that's always a that's always a good one. I just I love that one. Um and then the rabbit is um basically um one that's an internal and external toy simultaneously because you have like the traditional looking um like vibrator um that goes internally uh into a vagina and then you have kind of the smaller nub part on the other facing it, if I, can, I might describe this well, facing mm-hmm. it that goes on your clit. So you get vibrations on your clit and then whatever in vibrating inside or twirling inside. It's such a strange coincidence to me, Kimberly, that you referenced those two toys, because I would also say that those are the two exact toys that I would prefer to use in the bedroom. Um, literally, like I have notes written up right here with like those two toys listed. So <laughs> Um, what I wanted to talk about, uh, in regards to like masturbation. So if you enjoy penetration and want a good toy to use just on yourself, um, my suggestion is to consider the length of the toy. Um, so now, like I mentioned earlier, I've always been a plus size human being. Um, so I've got like really thick, like kind of floppy thighs and like a big floppy belly and I've got a big ass. So while I love my body and I feel very sexy, just as I am, this can also be kind of inconvenient when trying to really get into pleasuring myself if my toy isn't a good design for my size or shape. So if you're listening to this and you can identify with trying to get like just the right angle, or you feel like your arms just aren't quite long enough, or your other body parts just keep getting in the way, here's my advice. Find a toy that has a nice long handle. If you're into external stimulation, that may that may look like getting a toy with a long handle, such as a vibrating wand, like a Hitachi, instead of getting a bullet, which tends to be just like a few inches long, right? It's much smaller. There's no like handle there. Um, so it's easier to get access to your naughty bits without like straining or trying to work around body parts or whatever. Now, if you're into penetrative internal stimulation, you may want to consider getting like a double-ended dildo um, with a lot of like bend and flexibility in it. Um, and I say that because when you insert one end of it to pleasure yourself in whichever orifice you would like to pleasure yourself, um, (laughs) you can then actually use the other end as a handle. And if it's flexible and not too stiff, you don't have to be like bent over reaching between your thighs to manipulate your toy. You can bend it toward you and use that to manipulate your toy while, while keeping it inside you. So it makes it a lot easier to kind of handle. Um, Yeah. I should, I have like a really, really big, like pink ginormous, like double ended dildo that I love exactly for that. So if you haven't tried it, I highly recommend it. Um, Okay. That's what I wanted to talk about for masturbation. Let's, I want to talk about a few other actual like positions um, while we've got time. Um, So missionary, do you guys enjoy missionary? Is that one of the like go-tos? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We do that a lot. So for me with missionary, like my advice is like, if you can't get, like, if you just can't quite get the right angle that you, that you want to like really hit the spots that you want to be able to enjoy in the missionary position. Um, or if you just feel like your partner's like thighs or bellies are like, just like a little too much. And they're just like kind of getting in the way. Here's what you can try. Have the person on bottom, um, put pillows or like a pillow wedge under their bottom to, so that their hips are slightly elevated. This change in height can actually make it easier for the person on top to get the right angle that they need for easier and deeper penetration. 
Um, you can also take this a step further by kind of evolving your position. Um, have the person doing the penetrating stand at the edge of the bed with their partner lying flat on the bed or whatever mm -hmm. furniture you're using, um, laying face up with their legs dangling off the edge of the bed on either side of the person that's going to be doing the penetrating. Um, if your bed sits lower to the floor, you might consider like getting a different piece of furniture that is flat and stable to lay on, um, but sits closer to waist level instead of down really low. So that might look like a dining table or a kitchen or bathroom counter or like the washer dryer, that kind of a thing. Um, and you can definitely still like put yeah, the, like, the pillows. Oh, the dining room. Is that, is that one of your guys? No, no, no. When you're like the washer and the dryer, it's like, now we're getting kinky. <laughs> Um, definitely still use like the pillows underneath too, for a little bit of that, like leverage, um, for that, like hip height, if needed, that can be really, again, really helpful as far as like getting deeper penetration. If that's something that you're looking for. Um, do you guys do any of that already? Yeah. I'm curious. I, I particularly like the laying down, standing up kind mm -hmm. of scenario. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. Love it. Cool. Um, let's talk about cowgirl really quick. This is one that was really challenging for me for a really, really long time. And I think that it was very much tied to like my, my body image issues and not really working through, um, some of like my body positivity, like core values yet. Um, do you guys have challenges with, with the cowgirl position at all? Is, is that one of the go-tos? That is not one of the go-tos. Well, no way. Cowgirl is like where the person's facing you. Like, yes. like Kim, I'm going to say Kimberly on top facing me. Yes. No, we'll do that. Yes, we definitely do that. We don't do the reverse. Ah, That's what we're okay. thinking of. Yeah, yeah. I was like, wait, we do do that. Yeah, so yeah we do. No, no, no. no we, do. we don't do the reverse as much. We don't do reverse. The regular kind. Sure. Yeah, we, sure. yeah. No, I, and yeah. you know, when you said that, I just think of that as like Kimberly on top. You know, I mean, that's just yeah. kind of what we do. Yeah. But yeah. So, I mean, and in that case, then she's got the freedom to kind of move around a little bit more and, and, you know, and, and that's, that's nice. And that's good. So I hate to be like, well, I haven't really had an issue with that, but I don't really identify as like a plus size person. So yeah. I can see where that could be problematic if you are a plus size person, but um, I haven't experienced that. That's totally fair. No, absolutely. Um, for me, I think it's kind of like this dual, um, dual edged sword sort of where like you kind of grow up as a plus size person with this mentality of, oh, if I'm on top, I'm going to crush them and that's bad and I shouldn't do it. And then also once you like, once I got over that, I'm like, no, I can do this. They can deal with it. They want it. Right. They'll deal with it. Right. Or like I can sit on their face. It doesn't matter if they can't breathe. Like if they're enjoying it and they want more, sit on their face. Like they'll be fine. Anyway. They'll <laughs> let you know if there's a problem. Believe. Exactly. Right. Okay. There, so there won't be a problem. <laughs> so once you get over that, like the the physical challenges that I actually had was a lot of like hip tension or like knee pain and lacking like the strength and endurance to be able to sustain that position for like a long period of time. Like you give me like a few minutes and I'm done. I'm like, all right, let's do something else. Mm -hmm. So um, if, if you identify with that at all, um, I do have a few tips that I wanted to wanted to suggest in here. Um, if you or your partner on top is having trouble sustaining this position, um, which is definitely something that has happened for me, try having the person on bottom lay down on top of a body pillow or a stack of pillows under their butt. Um, this will allow the person on top to have a little more room for their legs to move while in that kneeling or squatting position. Um, and it'll put less strain on their knees and their hips. It'll make riding a little less strenuous on their, on their end, which hopefully will make this position a little more sustainable. 
Alternatively, you could also choose to try the cowgirl position on the couch or on the edge of another piece of low sitting furniture. We're talking like an ottoman or like if your bed sits really low to the floor or like a coffee, t- coffee table if yours is uh, stable enough. Um, that way, when the person on top is writing, they can have at least one leg stretched out with their foot flat on the floor, offering a lot more leverage than with both legs kind of bent in that um, like bent squatting kneeling type position. This also allows the person on top to hold on to the back of the couch or furniture to allow for more leverage and really like grind into that like rhythmic writing action. Um, and then one more option is to actually have the person on bottom in a sitting position on the couch instead of laying down. They're actually sitting up in a couch. Um, whenever I've done this, why are you laughing at me? I'm like that. I was speaking. No, I'm laughing at myself because I'm over here like, yes, that is what I like. Um, <laughs> that's our, that's not a go-to position. It's like a novel, like, oh, we're like spicing Crazy. it up. Yeah. Ooh, we're getting spicy. I lo- we love that. So, yeah. <laughs> So my, like my, every time that I do this, if, if my partner is sitting on the couch and I'm straddling him and that's, we're going to, uh, that's how we're going to fuck. I like to kind of dig my feet in between the couch cushions. So it gives me a little more of that leeway. Like my knees aren't quite as bent as they would be otherwise. Um, so that gives me like a little bit more um, flexibility to make that riding motion. And it's not quite so hard on my knees and my hips. So I can see what you're talking about with sustainability and kind of not being able to maintain a position because that's, I think, why we don't do a ton of different positions for me, for for, on my end. That's what I think Um, now. So I'm not relating this to the positions we've talked about already, but I can see like even for myself where some of these other more complicated ones are like, I can't sustain that. And maybe I could have when I was younger, but. You know, I'm not as in shape as now I'm older. And I'm like, gosh, that does like kind of hurt your knees after a while or whatever. I also think as we get older, we just literally have fewer fucks to give. And we want to spend those fucks with like getting the most bang for our buck possible. So like, absolutely. Like, let's pick the easiest. That's okay. Yes. Yeah. Efficiency is crucial. <laughs> Um, Okay. And then the last thing I want to say about cowgirl is that if you are the kind of person like myself that has a big belly and you feel like that's kind of getting in the way, or maybe it's your partner's belly or both of your bellies that are getting in the way, try the reverse cowgirl because that gives your belly somewhere else to go and there's less friction. And like, you know, if that's what it's going to take for you to like get more into it and enjoy that sensation more, fucking do it. It's great. Trust me. Ava, I love that you, like, that was awesome. You know, you had so much variety and, and I'm sitting there thinking like, did you just do all this research yourself? Like, for, like we're just going to experiment and figure these things out or like, cause you really did cover a lot. I'm impressed. So thank you. I'm, I think that we're a little bit short on time. The last one that I wanted to talk about was doggy style, but we can always save it for another day. No, we have time for doggy style. We do. Okay, good. I love doggy style. <laughs> um, you guys love doggy style? It's literally my favorite position. I'm so excited. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> It's okay. It's just yeah. Like, go for it. It's okay. No, no. Yes. <laughs> so okay. So one thing to consider with doggy style, um, if you're going to be doing it for a while, maybe think about putting some pillows underneath the pe- the belly of the person that's being penetrated. Um, being on all fours for like an extended period of time can sometimes be tiresome on your back or your arms. So having that extra cushion support can be kind of helpful underneath you. You could also modify your position instead of putting the pillows underneath you. You could simply have the person being penetrated. Um, lay like their chest like flat on the bed or whatever surface you're on for while you're while you're fucking. Um, so like your face and your like chest and like your upper body is basically flat against the bed with your with your ass still in the air. 
Um, that's really fun too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you have any challenges about getting your naughty bits access to your partner's naughty bits, um, using a doggy style position, one thing you can try is the partner being penetrated on all fours, have them actually brace one leg up, um, so that their, their foot is planted instead of their knee. So you're basically in like a bent over one legged kneeling position rather than all fours. Um, this one also works really well for any style of fucking from behind, whether you're standing or kneeling or in the shower or whatever. It's great to give like a little bit extra access and then the angle is also a little bit different so that variation you might want to play with that that might feel nice and then last tip about doggy style is just to say that height can be a major enhancer um my partner and I were actually staying in an Airbnb over the weekend I'm really excited to tell the story and we had this bed that sits really low to the ground and my bed at home is actually like really high like abnormally high um and so we had him standing on the edge of the bed with me on all fours on the bed facing away from him um so essentially doggy style with him standing behind me and can I just say like on this really low sitting bed like that angle hit parts of me inside that I don't think have been touched in a really long time. And it was so nice. So like if you've been doing doggy style on your bed for a while and you want to change things up, try a different piece of furniture in the house. If you have one that sits pretty low, like give it a shot. It was so much fun. That's a great idea because we love this position, but our bed is super high, like you were saying. Yeah. So those are those are Ava's sex tips. Go forth and have fun and be awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was great. That was great. Thank you. Thanks. All right. Well, I think that wraps us up for today. Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us. A um, couple things to touch on. Uh, you can check us out at ethicalseduction.com. Uh, we're building out that website. We've been adding to it and changing some things around. Um, we're also on FetLife and Instagram and Twitter. So we've got pages there if you want to follow us. Um, today's show, uh, if you like today's show, please go ahead and follow us. That would be awesome. That way you can get, you know, We'll, we'll come right into your podcast player. We have a new episode every Friday that that's coming out. Uh, usually release at around noon. Um, if you are just can't wait and you have to have it for the weekend. So uh, next week as a teaser, we should have a fun one. I think it's going to be interesting one. I'm going to propose that we do not have full control over our brains. And then in the case of getting like, aroused and turned on, that it's often other people who influence how we feel. So uh, by that, I guess I mean that like we can learn how to stimulate and influence other people's thoughts and feelings and have a little bit of control over turning them on and that they cannot always help it. So uh, Kimberly and Ava, you guys are totally allowed to disagree with me, but let's save that until next week because I want to hear what you all say. Uh, So we'll save that to next week, but that's totally safe topic. And, you know, I mean, what could go wrong with that? We're just talking about controlling other people's feelings and thoughts. You know, that's all right. (laughs) If you have uh, any uh, questions or topics that you would like to discuss, we have a link in the show notes. So if you go to the the podcast description, go down to where the show notes are and uh, you can click on the link and leave us a voicemail. And so that would be great. So that's a service that we have through our provider. So if you want to just call in, you know, and you have a question or if you have a topic that you want to discuss, just go ahead and leave a message. Uh, if it's something really good, we might be able to use it on the air. Um, but that's, that's a service we're, you know, hoping to kind of utilize a little bit more. If you like the show and you want to leave us, you'd help us out if you left us a review like on iTunes or, uh, um, uh, Spotify, if, if the, the reviews and the ratings that we get from listeners that matters. Um, and they do a lot of kind of, you know, as far as, how they want to promote us or whatever that's a lot of times based on reviews and ratings so if, if you like things and you want to leave us a review and a rating 
we would appreciate that very much. So, and I think, I think that's it. So, uh, thank you everybody. Thank you, Kimberly. And thank you, Ava. And we, I look forward to next week's discussions. So thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.